Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our sermon review. You might forget what we do here because it's been a long time since we've had a podcast or a sermon review, but we look at the sermon from this past week and we talk about it as pastors. And so we're looking forward to be able to do that uh, today and to provide that for you. Hopefully it's helpful. Uh, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2b. Who determines what's A and B in a verse? Is you. it just kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you'll see that sometimes, but I'm like, what if it's 2c? But anyways, uh, kind of the tail end of, of verse 2, most people will connect with verse 3 and following, but we were looked all the way through verse 5, which says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. In studying this, uh, the commentary by Knight, George Knight, right? George Knight, is that his name? Knight? The yeah, commentator, maybe. Yeah. Knight? Yeah. I know you guys are both Isn't on your like phone. like the third? Sorry. I'm not on my phone. I don't know what you're looking at on your phone, Spencer. It doesn't have any. Oh, your phone's right there. Blank. What are you staring at? I'm, I'm looking at my Bible. Hands oh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably George Knight. I think it's George Knight. Is yeah, that George Knight? I think it's George Knight III. I think you're right. George Knight III. Ooh. There Indeed. You go. His, uh, <laughs> quite... His commentary was very, I want to give him a shout out because his commentary is very helpful on breaking down these verses hmm. and helping me uh, think think through them. I appreciated his commentary. I meant to say that yesterday, but I don't think I did, uh, but I wanted to today. Uh, but we see here, Paul is talking to Timothy and he is once again encouraging them to, or encouraging Timothy to battle against false teachers and he's kind of talking here about one of the problems with false teachers and what they are doing, which the way I worded it was deviating from what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and so I was trying to go off that theme of deviation throughout the throughout the message. message. But in verse, in verse 2, the end of verse 2, again, we see Paul's appeal to teach what is right. And I always try to remind myself, but also to remind our congregation, and maybe they get sick of it, but I, I hope not, because we need these reminders, the importance of studying and knowing the Word of God. And so the word that we used for that uh, yesterday was uh, theology, that word theology, of studying who God is and what He has done. And He's revealed Himself to us through through His Word. And so we need to to know His Word. And I'm trying to push back against this... Uh, theme that I hear in some church circles, and even I've had people at our church say this, where it's like, hey, we're Jesus people, not theology people. And that's not a good saying. That's not something that we should be saying. I think I can understand a little bit maybe of what they're trying to get at, but everybody has a theology. Even atheists have a theology, and they live by it. And we live by what we think about God and who he is. They come under the assumption there is no God. Thus, they live that way, right? We, as Christians, uh, have a book that's been given to us to tell us about God and who he is, and we are to live accordingly. We are to live that way. Now, sadly, there's a lot of Christians, though, who don't want to study and know what the Word of God says in order 
to be able to live that way, to honor God uh, with their life. And But here, Paul is telling Timothy, don't just teach it. Urge these things. Like, let the people see how important these things are that we have been talking about throughout this letter, this letter so far. And so, again, I know I've said this uh, quite a few times uh, in sermons, but I just think it's important to reiterate it because I think we can sometimes uh, sway from that, even even myself, where you start to think, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe these other things can be more important than study and knowing the Word of God, like maybe just ministry in general. Maybe I should spend more time in that. Uh, but we have to be careful that ministry is being driven out of who God is and what His Word tells us about Him. Uh, and so it's a good reminder for, for me as well. I don't know, you guys got any thoughts on, on that little part where Paul's urging to teach these things and we're talking about theology and then in turn ministry? I just something that I thought of was just that we can sometimes make that mistake of um, of separating those two things of like, like you had kind of mentioned like mm-hmm. doing ministry or the practical side of living as a Christian being involved in certain activities or things like that um, I don't think those two things are always opposed to one another but one kind of comes out of the other one is produced by the other you know what you what you believe about God, what you think about God is going to affect the way that you live. It's going to affect how you spend your time, the things that you involve yourself in. And so, yeah, to say that you're going to focus on one and and not the other, it's not going to work out very well. Um, you know, how are you going to decide what you're going to do, what you're going to spend your time doing, or what you're going to do when you are in that situation ministering to someone or whatever it is? If, uh, if you don't have a robust and clear theology or what you think about God or what you understand his word to teach, you're not really going to have much to say or do in that situation. Yeah. Had you guys Have you guys heard the saying that I talked about that you might be the only Bible people read? Have you guys heard that before? I hadn't. No. Yeah. Oh, no. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Had you heard that? Yeah. Spencer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I came up with that. <laughs> Wow. Okay. You're older than I thought then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well, a, that's impressive. <laughs> Where so we could you here? explain what you <laughs> meant? When you, when you invented this, <laughs> when you invented this, what did you mean by it? I didn't really mean anything by it. I just thought I would sell some cool shirts <laughs> that way. Let's get some merch money. Yeah, some swag. And so that's all. That's all that was behind that. I, I know when I... Heard that growing up because I did hear that. I think the thought behind it was to live morally, hmm. right? To to not just come to church and say you love Jesus, but then to live like you love Jesus, right? To follow him and to honor him and, and recognizing that as you do that, people are watching you and people are seeing you and they should see a difference in you as a Christian, all of which I would agree with. Um, but I think also kind of what crept in with that was the only thing people need is to watch you, and that's the Bible they'll read. Mm-hmm. That kind of started to kind of become this thought, which is a horrible thought because if I'm the Bible people are reading, we have a problem because I'm not perfect. Uh, and that's what we'll get to in verse 3 when Paul tells <coughs> Timothy not to deviate from the from the truth, to stick with what is true. Right? He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ... And the teachings that accord with godliness, he's puffed up, which we'll get to in a, in a second. Uh, but if people are just watching me, 
what they're going to see is me fail. Even if I have a robust theology, even if I have a very good understanding of the Word of God, the problem is too often in my life, I, uh, I resort back to my own desires at times. And so I sin. And, and so if I'm with a, a group of friends and, and I'm the only Bible they read, then what they're going to see is at times it's okay probably to laugh at inappropriate jokes or say inappropriate things or uh, do inappropriate things. And that's not true, you know. Uh, so so I, I think it needs to be bigger than, than that. And I want people to understand that, that if, if we are going to live in a way understanding that people in the world will look at us as Christians and they get some of their knowledge of the Scripture because of the way you live, then isn't it, isn't it imperative of us to have a deep understanding of God and mm-hmm. a deep theology so that when they are witnessing us living and that we are doing it according to Scripture mm-hmm. and so that we can share with them you know, what the Bible does, does say. So if they ever ask a question like, I notice that... When you go to eat lunch, you bow your head for, it's always 10 seconds, and then you eat. What's going on? You know, that you could say maybe in a better way of what, what's going on there. Or mm-hmm. maybe something else catches their eye in your life to where you can talk them through a little bit of this is why I live that way. Because this is what Christ has done for me. And, and be able to talk about it. And so that's where this knowing the Word of God becomes very very important. And, and one of the primary ways that we learn the Word of God is through preaching, is through sitting under the preaching of the Word of God weekly uh, at a good church who is doing that well and taking that task uh, seriously. Um, and so that's, again, what Paul's addressing with Timothy, is fight against the people who are going to deviate. And he gives us two standards for theology, which really could be sermons on their own to really try to dive into what is Paul getting at here. I didn't spend too much time on it, but he gives us two. Uh, Maybe you guys will have some thoughts on it. One, he says the sound words of Jesus, and then the second thing is teaching that accords with godliness. What comes to your guys' mind when you see those two phrases here? All right, you guys got a lot on on your mind. I I think give us like half a second. I expect you guys to be ready in season. That's the call, right? That's the call. I'm failing at my calling. (laughs) I mean, I think that I think the sound words of our Lord Jesus. It's similar to like you know in the Gospel of John. You know when when Jesus says that you know that the Holy Spirit will will remind you of these words I've spoken. In other words, you know that we are to make sure that the words that we have. That according to what has been written down, eyewitnesses and the gospel records, those words of Jesus are to be preserved and to be focused on and not, to use your word, deviate from those words and say, oh, well, we, haven't, we have this extra word over here. We received this revelation or this vision from mm-hmm. this thing or this angel or whatever it may be, um, but we keep the, the words of Jesus as our focal point, mm-hmm. and we, we, we land on that. And the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to remind us of those words, those commands that Jesus taught, and those, you know, whether it's the Sermon on the Mount or his, you know, within his teachings, etc. So I think that's what Paul is, you know, yeah. getting at there. Yeah. You guys are all seminary trained, and I am not. You might not be 100% seminary trained, Scott, <laughs> but you have more than me, right? One of the things that would be fun to research, I, I put a little time into it, but in the end I was like, I don't think this is very important. Um, 
They said that maybe at this time there was a copy of Luke's Gospel kind of being hmm. circulated amongst the churches. Had you guys ever run across that or anything before? I mean, Luke was obviously with Paul. So right. Luke's Gospel probably, um, of all the Gospels, probably would have been the, the one that maybe you know, that would have been probably the, the narrative that Paul probably would have most closely heard. Mm. Um, the other option that, but I don't know when it was written exactly. The other option that some had said was that during this time, it was likely that some of the, some of the words of Jesus were circulating amongst the churches in writing. So maybe Mm. not like Luke put the gospel all together Mm. and Matthew and them at this point, but people had wrote down Mm. some things and it was like, these are the sound words of Jesus. Let's stick with these. But then adding with that, uh, teaching that accords with godliness, which I tried to prove quickly Sunday that this is the work that the apostles are doing. Going to what you had said, Dave, about uh, Jesus and John saying that the Holy Spirit will come and guide you because there there are things you won't understand now. Mm -hmm. I can't teach you, but the Holy Spirit will come and will guide you Mm -hmm. in this, which I think some people take that verse to apply it to new revelations today, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a misuse of that. It's, it seems to be, that was the work of the apostles. And that seems to be the understanding of, of Paul, even in second Timothy uh, chapter one. And then Peter later saying, Paul's writings are hard to understand, but they are in line with scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but these are the teachings. So to, to get it all together, saying a lot of words to say the Bible, that's what's being talked about here. Mm-hmm. Is how God has revealed Himself through His Word. Jesus is the Word in flesh, and that's where that's what Paul is urging Timothy is to pay attention. <clears throat> if people in your church are starting to deviate from the truth, from the Word of God, and so today for us, the Bible is what we have. And uh, would you guys maybe maybe you have some thoughts or even some examples? How today do we see the Bible being attacked? What do you guys think by that? Because I taught, I taught Sunday, and I think this is what the scriptures are teaching, is that the Bible is all we have for the truth. Mm-hmm. We don't have any, anything else. There's no new prophet arising who's going to tell us something new. There's, we don't have any of that. What we have is we have the word of God given to us, and that is the standard by which we base everything. Mm-hmm. But yet today, I think you guys would agree that we do see the Bible attacked. What are yeah. what are some ways we see this happening? I think sadly, like in academia, I think one of the, the, the deviations has been, you know, like evangelical and even reformed evangelical institutions, seminaries, Bible colleges have brought in teachers or professors who don't believe God's word is infallible as a means to kind of like, let's open, like kind of a liberal arts idea. Let's open the minds of students and let's bring in different perspective. And the problem is that, that it, the whole, the whole ship begins to turn, you know, and then the Bible becomes more of a, a literary type yeah. of, of So book. let's expound on that real quick <clears throat> yeah. because mm-hmm. words are important. Yeah. So you said a word infallible. What does that mm-hmm. mean? Infallible means perfect. Like every, every word, every, you know, uh, every detail of, of the scriptures is perfect as intended by God, the spirit of God breathing into the, the writers to yes. make it infallible. Perfect. Yeah. So you will find people mm-hmm. who say the word of God is inspired, Yes, but they will not say it's infallible right. or even inerrant. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And that's the way that I, I have seen it attacked. Because mm-hmm. you'll go on a church website and it'll look very nice. Yep. And you read and it says, we believe this book is inspired. But it leaves out some mm-hmm. other important words. Yeah. And you think, okay, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I mean, <clears throat> there's always uh, different ways in which the Bible is going to be under attack. Because you have to attack, the, whenever you attack the Bible, then ultimately you're attacking Christ who's the center of the Bible. So on the one hand, I don't think it's a, it's not a, um, a surprise that Paul says here that this, this teaching does not agree with the sound words, the healthy, wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd have to look at it. That could all, that could mean not simply the words that come from Jesus, but all the words that center about Jesus. Um, the words, the gospel message, in other words. So anytime, I mean, one way to attack, or I shouldn't say the word attack, to deviate to a different doctrine is to teach, um, a, to, to de-emphasize Jesus Christ or to deviate from the teaching about him. And that can happen in churches that even will say the Bible is inerrant or infallible. Um, so they don't talk about Jesus. Or another way uh, that it, we see today is um, the, a revival of an ancient heresy called Marcionism, where we pit the Old Testament against the New Testament. And um, you mentioned this in your sermon without giving the name of Andy Stanley, who is doing that now. He has been on this pathway for years now, where he began by saying the Old Testament is old. Jesus did something brand new, and so we can relegate the Old Testament to the past. And now... He, uh, he's he called those Bible stories. Yeah, now he's, he has Bible slowly stories. been moving to affirming homosexuality to where now he recently has said yes. The reason why um, the creation story was just given to the people back then, basically because they were like little children and God just wanted to give them a story to satisfy them. And so that's why he did that. Um, the big thing we should understand is just that God made everything. And so now he's saying, yeah, Jesus isn't a Bible story. Jesus is something brand new. And so, again, saying the Old Testament, yeah, whatever. It's just a bunch of stories, but now we've got something new in Jesus. So he's doing this, obviously, with the purpose of of driving to a place to where, you know, those those references against homosexual behavior in the Old Testament, we don't have to follow those. Um, any of those kinds of passages, we can we can dump those. And like you said, so what he's doing is he's moving away from the pattern of sound words that Jesus gave and that Paul taught Timothy in order to, quote, reach the lost. That's what his goal is. is and so recently he has baptized a transgender person at his church, um, a woman who identifies as a man, and he used her taken male name in the baptism even and again uh, good intentions i don't want to judge what his intentions are because i can't read those but i can say the teaching that he's bringing is one example of a slow slow yet steady drift away from the pattern of sound words that we see in scripture Um, and that's uh something i think that's been common probably for a long time is where people will attack the bible because it's old yeah. Uh, even the New Testament at times, but just saying <clears throat> they didn't really understand and they don't know our culture, right? And things are different now. And that's what you just brought up. That's a big difference in the way that the Bible's been attacked in the last 50 years compared to before that. So like in the 1900s, 
the Bible was attacked on its legitimacy, on whether or not it really was written by these people who claimed that, like, was Timothy really written by Paul? And, like, that's how it would be attacked, was in that kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. do we really have the ability to say that this is genuine, right? And so a lot of, like, the apologetic studies that center around defending the Bible are focused on that, Mm -hmm. that, yes, we are able to say that this was written by Paul. We're able to say it was written in this time frame. We're able to say that this is probably exact, like very close to what the original letter to Timothy said. That's not generally the way that the Bible's attacked nowadays, right? That was, that was in the 1900s to nowadays. It's people aren't generally worried about if Paul really wrote this or if it was really to Timothy or if this is actually what he said, they generally attack the Bible by reinterpreting the Bible and offering a new interpretation and saying, yeah, Paul wrote this, but this is what he really meant. Mm-hmm. And that's a different way of attacking the Bible than attacking the, legi- le- the legitimacy of it. Yeah. So pe- and that's a lot of the ways that Andy Stanley goes about it. He doesn't attack whether Paul wrote it or whether Moses wrote one of the first five books or whatever. Maybe he does. I don't really listen to Andy Stanley, so I don't know what he says. Um, but no, in his latest sermon, well, the one that uh, Spencer's referencing, he says that for Christians today, it's very hard to read the Bible correctly because of the way it's been handed to us from the generations before of how to interpret mm. and, and study and it. as yeah. if as if the whole thing is equal. Yeah, yeah, because right. that's how that's we've been big, taught. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, you have yeah. to see. He's like, I know it's hard, but it's very important. You got to see it. We got to look past how we've been taught to read the Bible, and then read it how it actually is meant to be. So, and that's that's the reinterpretation, that's, yeah, exactly. That's, that's there, yeah. and that's so exactly it's right. and that's that's mm. so it's and where what it used to be was the the time period that you would call modernism. Yeah, higher criticism. You're now you're yeah, in higher criticism. Now you're in the period of postmodernism, mm-hmm. where the nature of reality is questioned. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's the most important thing is not what was really real and what Paul really meant. What's most important is how you take what he meant and how you interpret yeah. what he meant. And so, like, anybody who would defend, like, homosexuality being defensible from the Scripture, almost all of their arguments that you would come across will be, well, what what was really going on in Genesis mm-hmm. chapter 19? And what right. was really going on in the letter to the Corinthians? What was really going on is this. And this is why our culture and our situation is mm-hmm. different from that. Yeah. That's what, those are the kinds of attacks you'll hear today. I think it's helpful to get examples like this one. So like uh, the way Andy Stanley's deviating from Scripture is he's at- with the homosexuality thing is he's attacking creation mm-hmm. because he knows that Good Bible scholars will root heterosexuality in creation. Right. Say this isn't a law thing. This is actually a creation thing. So he has to get rid of creation, the creation account in some way. And this is how he's doing it. And the way he was doing this sermon, though, was for okaying evolution. But this is a step in the direction. The guy who wrote the book uh, like 10 years ago on homosexuality, uh, Vines? Matthew Vines. Matthew Vines. He didn't try to get rid of creation. His attack was there wasn't an understanding of homosexuality then. Mm -hmm. What the Bible is actually teaching there of the two becoming one flesh is actually monogamy. And so homosexuality as a partner is what is okay. That was his way of deviating from the truth because he wasn't going to get rid of the creation account. Yeah. He was going to attack it in this way. 
these are yeah. these are deviations. Well, and, in one, different and forms. one of the things I think is very helpful to be reminded is there's attacks on scripture that are, that come two different ways. On the one hand, there's an attack from without, which is um, you might think of as coming from somebody from another religion, like Islam or whatever, or somebody who's an atheist who wants to attack Christianity. But what we're talking about is criticisms that they don't, for instance, even modernism, the kind of modernism that a guy that we've, we may have talked about before, J. Gresham Machen, mm-hmm. oh, 100 years ago was yeah. opposing in the Presbyterian church. He, he was opposing modernism. But even the modernists were doing this. They were stating what you're talking about, Scott, because they were actually trying to save Christianity. And similarly today, mm-hmm. with all of these different things, with it, whether it be Andy Stanley, Matthew Vines, or the modernists of 100 years ago, their goal is not to destroy Christianity. Their goal is to save Christianity right. for a for the contemporary world, yeah. mm-hmm. because people today will not accept this message of Jesus if we we don't adjust the message or bring it into line or make it or re understand it. And so, in every single one of these instances, you have people within the church trying to save the church yeah, so by reinterpreting the message. And that's what I think Paul is getting at here. He's, I think the bigger threat is not from outside. The bigger threat is from inside, inside yeah. and, and moving away, deviating from that pattern of sound words. Um, and so it's just a good reminder yeah. to, to us within the church to, to remember that. We want to correct false interpretation where we have falsely interpreted the Bible, but in these instances, there is you can clearly see the culture is dictating yeah. the agenda of uh, of what people in the church want the message yeah. of Christianity to but be. I think 15 years ago, Rob Bell, his book Love Wins, same mm-hmm. thing. He wanted to try to somehow make the gospel more attractive as far as like let's get rid of hell and so his idea of that was in that book which it was a bestseller um but it's very subtle is well basically love wins it all works out in the end because in his mind god can't be good if there is a hell and so that's what he did and he talked about deviation and uh i'm thankful that i think the gospel coalition and others caught it um but well, he was on a trajectory long before that. He was. Even, right, with many other books and movements. True. Where, and again, you see all of that same yeah. trajectory yeah. of, again, Rob Bell, even his ministry before that was one of continually concerned for outsiders, yep. which, okay, we, want, church. we definitely want to evangelize people. We want them to come to know Christ, but we can't change the law and the gospel. Mm-hmm. We can't adjust those things. Yeah. We want to share that with them in love and compassion, but we can't adjust the message. Mm-hmm. So to, to what you said, I think there's, you're right of, um, what was I going to say? Like the, the, these people, their motivation, their intentions are to save the church. Yeah. Right. That's what they want to do. But it's it's interesting that Timothy or Paul, when in writing to Timothy in the next verse in verse four, he describes those people as puffed up with conceit, understanding nothing, having an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people. Um who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. I mean, that sounds like a pretty nasty person, mm. not a person that wants to to help the church. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's a good point. So, like, how do you spot that person? Like, how, how does a person that wants to help the church, how are they actually 
like doing these things like live like how do these qualities how are they theirs i don't know if what i'm asking no, makes sense good. i would say first of all <clears throat> one first of all the first thing about puffed up with conceit understanding nothing you have to be a very either courageous or conceited person and sometimes a mixture of both in order to argue for something that the church has rejected for 2000 years <laughs> yeah so for instance well again it becomes well, easy. you know what i mean yeah, no, like, but it becomes easy for them right because they say those people didn't get it Right, they're not where we are. Right, today. right. and so what the one the move often, and I keep referencing Andy Stanley because it's fresh in my mind. But the the idea is, he's basically saying, the people thousands of years ago really were just so dumb. Mm-hmm. They were so dumb that God had to give them, He had to feed them this this line mm-hmm. in order to satisfy them right then. But we're smarter now. That's conceit, but it's underlied, but it's it's kind of shadowed over with a veneer yeah. of compassion. And I think you can see underneath though. And I think also one of the things too, if with, with these kinds of people Paul is talking about, there would be nothing attractional about them if they didn't give that veneer of compassion and love and um, working with people, um, which is, I think it, there would be no concern about people following them if they only were showing all, Paul is calling them out for what they really are, underneath the veneer even i would say so he's calling know. them out for what they are not what they appear to be i would say so okay i would i don't i don't know the exact context here but yeah, i'm saying he's hitting the truth right that's what he's yeah, saying is so. is he saying this is actually what's going on in their life they're puffed up they understand nothing right where they act like they understand everything actually they understand nothing they have unhealthy cravings for controversies for quarrels about words they produce I mean, yeah he's saying this is who they are underneath it all because they're not speaking the truth in love they're deviating from it. They're speaking the falsehood. Yeah, they're speaking falsehood, and so all they're doing is causing, causing problems. This were, this probably again was people maybe who was a, were a little gnostic, or Judaizers that were creeping into the church trying to add to the gospel uh, of Christ, or, or to say something different about Christ. To which, uh, for us, honestly, if we were in this church and we heard these people speak, I'm guessing we'd be like, it's not that bad what they're saying, mm. <laughs> right? But to Paul, it's like, no, this is who they are. They're trying to corrupt everything, and you must be careful. Don't let them do that. No matter what it's masked in, no matter what the what they're trying to sell you, it's snake oil. It's not going to mm. work. It, it, it ha- it, this is what it will produce in the end. And I think we can see this evident in our life because when we look at that list, we've all experienced that before, right? Contention, envy, strife. We have all experienced that before. And when when we experience that, we can normally look to sin in our life that's caused it. Mm-hmm. So what it is, it's a devi- we, we have deviated from the word of God. Uh, and that's why we struggle, because we do it so often. We deviate from the word of God even though we know it. And so then we are robbed of joy. We are mm-hmm. robbed of hope and peace that is promised with the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. Mm-hmm. And we can see this in our life. And so I, I think it's very easy to prove that this is true. And that's why I posed the question to the congregation yesterday. Do you know anybody like this? who's contentious, who struggles with envy and all these different things. And then to bring it home even more, how about yourself? And I think all of us find ourselves guilty at that moment. And then to say, let's find the root cause of the envy. Let's try to find the root cause of the strife that you're facing. Is it because of the word of God and the truth of it? Or is it because of a deviation from it? And it's a deviation from it. And and the core of the message is what Paul outlined for us in the first chapter, mm-hmm. 
which is love that issues from a pure conscience and a sincere faith. So if you have the faith that Paul is saying, what we're shooting for is confidence in Christ that really does issue forth in real love. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing here are the works of the flesh, not the works of the spirit, not the fruit of the spirit. And Paul then really gives us the substance. If he's, you know, it's like if you read the Bible and you miss everything else, don't miss verse 15 of chapter one, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Mm -hmm. And whenever we get away from that basic foundation and that's no longer the heartbeat of 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 we there are other things to talk about but whenever that's no longer the pulsing heartbeat of of our preaching and of our life um and everything then it is going to lead to those kinds of things in various ways even if it's in good quote good things or true things um we can pursue truth that's truth, but whenever we pursue it at the de-emphasis of the cross, yeah, yeah. then it becomes a danger, right? And so and we have to why, be centered back on the cross. Yeah, and we have to be careful. I, I talked about man-centered theology and a God-centered theology. and uh, I said I, I sometimes wonder if church people love church things more than they love God. That was good. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same way, though, like even in a marriage or something. In our, in our marriage, we are called to love God and the reason I love my wife is because I love I love God. Mm-hmm. When I start to love my wife just for certain characteristics about her, the problem is those characteristics about her are probably going to change as we grow older, as we change, whatever that mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. And if, if I love her just because of those characteristics about her, I'm going to fall out of love with her as those change. But the Bible doesn't give me that okay to fall in love, fall out of love with her. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to love her forever. And that love is based off of of Christ and my love for him. And now I'm to love her, how he has loved me in the church. And so I need to love him more in order to love my, my wife more, right? I need to draw closer to him mm-hmm. in order to draw closer to her. And, and we have to be careful with that in the, in the church. Again, good intentions sometimes can lead us astray of the actual word of God and what it's calling us to do. Um, I've been trying to talk about this very, I would say gently, but people say I'm not doing it gently. Uh, that was something I saw. I see a problem within the Southern Baptist Convention as we lost our focus of what the church is. We became a beacon for America at times in the Southern Baptist Convention, and it was like we've deviated some. I'm not saying we're heretical. We've just deviated from something that is good. I think it's something Christians should fight for, our country. But that's not the role of the church that the church does. Church people do it but not the, not the church. And so let's be careful. But what I normally will get back from people is, oh, that's just semantics. You're just messing with words. It's like, that's very important though, mm-hmm. because we're deviating from what we're actually supposed to be in love with, which mm-hmm. is God. And instead we've transferred that to a love of our country or to a love of our church or to a love of certain styles of preaching or of singing or whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's a problem because as we've all witnessed, those things change over time. Mm-hmm. It changes over time, all of that stuff. And now all of a sudden, I'm not in love with the church anymore because it's changed. And it's like, well, I still love God. And it's like, yeah, but if you're going to love God, you got to love the church. You know, what are you centered on? You've deviated. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's important for all of us to be thinking about when it comes to our worship uh, and when it comes to our adoration of God, is are we actually adoring Him, 
or are we adoring some effects that have been caused because of him mm-hmm. that we see? And we've noticed that as those have changed, so has our affections for the things of God have mm-hmm. changed. And that's a danger. Yeah, uh, I think we all go through it, right? Um, maybe that's one of the reasons I sound forceful when I preach is I'm forcing it into me. I'm trying to because I, I recognize that stuff within me mm-hmm. of, of, of my own sin and where I can, where it's easy for me to uh, uh, deviate at times. And I want to urge and warn these things as Paul tells Timothy here is mm-hmm. this stuff is important. You, you need to know why you're doing what you're doing, you know? Uh, and as we understand that, I think is when we're able to get through life because life, <clears throat> Jesus said this life is very hard. It's a very difficult thing to live this life. The busyness of it, the stresses of it, the difficulties of it around every turn, you know, could be a problem. If you're not in a problem right now, there's one coming. And we, we all know that we all face that. But God, if we're focused on God and centered on God, these things, though we might have questions at time, we trust him because of who he is and what his word says about him. And that trust that he has allowed us to have, he provides for us peace. Mm-hmm. And that's an understanding of Jesus. That's a, you know. So like for me, I know I'm talking a lot. I had a little bit of coffee <laughs> and this drink here. But you're being very gentle. I'm very about hot. <laughs> I'm very hot in here. It's getting hotter. You've got a coat well, on. Yeah, yeah, well, I dressed on. in a suit today. I thought we were all looking nice for the podcast or return to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? You, you said for me. Server. You said for me. I know I'm talking a lot. Before that, you said as for me, like you were going to give a personal example, I think. Oh, yeah. So, like for me, I think where I started to deviate was uh, legalism. Hmm. Uh, as, a ki- as a teenager, I remember bad things would happen, and I'd say, of course that happened. I sinned this morning big time. Mm. <laughs> like, I should have stubbed my toe, you know? Um, and so I was never, like, mad at God for bad things because in my head it was like, I completely deserve this because I told this joke at school or whatever whatever it might be. And it was easy for me to think that way, and I felt uh, I carried that all the time. And so it was always easy for me after sermons well, like I tell people, you need to respond to the word of God today. It was always easy for me to respond to the word of God because every day it was sin. Every every service it was some sin that I, I need to be forgiven for and I've, and I've failed you. But I walked around with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and feeling like a hypocrite and feeling fake and being afraid to ever say anything about God because I know if people, if I do that, they're going to be like, well, what about this? And be like, you got me, you know, and then worrying that the power of God rested on me because of my failures or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I'm thankful that when God started, I think, revealing his truth to me and his word of what Christ has done for me, the gospel, right? The basic, the basic gospel. Christ has done it all for you, Tim. He's saved you past, present, future. He holds you, right? His grace is what has done this for you. Even your faith, you couldn't muster in yourself, which I realized and I I understood that in my head was like, my faith is never enough because I keep failing, right? Even this faith that you have is a gift that I've given you. I've allowed you to see this. I've opened your eyes to this, not because you're special or anything, but that understanding of really what's happened in the gospel, that exchange of his glory has taken over my shame. You talk about a weight off of my shoulders that sometimes you still carry. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes that still comes back. 
But knowing that truth and being able to go to the Word of God and read that again and again or <clears throat> to hear it preached, you know, I, I try to listen to a sermon every day, mm. to hear it preached or whatever it might be, is just so refreshing that it enables me, not perfectly, but to live a life of peace, of hope, of joy, of what the Bible has offered that I never really got to feel before until trying to not deviate. And that's, again, it's a very small deviation for a lot of people to think that way. There's some who probably would even encourage it. You know, well, it's good that you feel guilty and this, and it's like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying, but there's just this little deviation of what the gospel is that led to a lot of heartache. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of youth camps of going forward and literally crying because you feel so guilty, mm-hmm. but not fully grasping all the time what the gospel is. And so when I finally seeing what it is and having that pounded into my head for years and into my heart and God's like, this is how much I've loved you. This is what it means. Now I find life to be simpler in the sense of not being destroyed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, not letting principal, uh, principalities and powers rob me of mm-hmm. joy because I know who God is and I know what he's done for me according to his word, not my own thoughts or anything, what his word says. And it's true and it does help you then live. And so that's just like a, again, a small deviation, but I'm guessing most people listening to this, our church congregation, if I would have said that from the pulpit, could have all been like, yeah, I, I can kind of grasp what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> I think I think I think if everyone's most people, if they're being honest with themselves and they're believers, they're like, yeah, yep. you yeah. know, right on. Because I mean, what you described is the Christian life. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The struggle. That's just that's yeah. just Romans six, seven, eight. You know, on um, actually, it was interesting. Martin Luther. One of the things he was suspicious of is anybody who never had struggles. <clears throat> That right. was one of the reasons oh, why yeah. he was suspicious. He would say, these guys are false prophets because they only seem to be living high on the mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they never yeah. go through what you're describing. Yeah. And so um, that is actually the, so, sh- that so, is the strange work that God yeah. does to kill us in the old man mm-hmm. so that he can raise us in new confidence yeah. in the gospel life. Yeah, the struggles now are different than then because yeah. now those struggles still happen, but you go back to the cross Mm -hmm. and you're reminded again Mm -hmm. yes you know yes i remember uh you guys ever heard of the skit guys you heard of the skit guys you're a youth pastor and don't know the skit guys i'm not a youth pastor family pastor and you don't know the skit guys (laughs) yes (laughs) yes i would actually say you are are all of those things you're much greater than you think scott wow he's so you never heard i'm gonna be puffed up with conceit (laughs) no I wouldn't encourage people to like watch them all the time. I don't agree with all the <laughs> things they do. But I remember they had a skit that was big for me once, and it was it well it it I can't remember. The guy was like getting chiseled or something, and like sin, pride, all these different things. But in the end, there there ended up being a statement. Is like God said to the guy, "You think you hold me up? It's the opposite. I hold you up." Hmm. And I remember knowing that, but when I heard that, thinking that's that's true, and that brings a lot of relief, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Yeah, uh, be, well, you know, one of the things I heard recently was actually from uh, someone that had gone to our church, and they actually heard Pastor Roy say this, and I thought it was actually a helpful definition of what faith is. Mm-hmm. He said he was told that faith is like showing up at the dinner table, and you expect your parents to supply the meal for you, 
And that's what we do with God. We just show, we just expect him to keep his promises to us. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really helpful. Um, you're confident that. And so what that does. Let me take this analogy farther. Yeah, go ahead. Because my kids will say, I don't like this meal. <laughs> right. And you got to make them something new. And this is, I think a lot of Christians fall short, is God feeds us. Right. right. But we're like. Yeah. Something different. Something I need new. something different. I yeah, need right. something new, and that's right. deviating. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that's, but that's the quiet confidence mm-hmm. that hopefully, mm-hmm. um, God is working in us. Is the fact that we're trusting, like, like Abraham. Paul says that about Abraham's faith. It was believing that God was able to do what He had promised. So faith has nothing about what we can do or can't do or our limitations. It just simply looks at God and says, "Yep, you're able to do what you've promised me. You can do." Mm-hmm. And that's I'm expecting you to keep that promise because you made it to me, and just trusting it. Mm-hmm. Now that's hard to that, that's hard. easy to say, but yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's hard to live that way. Faith yeah. is actually the hardest thing in the world to take God at His word because we're naturally very suspicious and very prideful. Um, in ourselves, but but I think I love with what you're saying there, Tim, because that's the heart of the Christian life. I think, yep. mm-hmm. and you said it very gently, yeah. yes, so gentle, and I mean, it's so practical too. Because now we can all just make the felt, same thing every felt, night for dinner and yeah. tell our kids. <laughs> yes, every time they complain, guys, this is what faith is like. This is <laughs> this is our I, daily bread. I really <laughs> the gospel. Every I really day. felt sw- I felt swaddled as you were saying those oh, things. Swa- just I'm really just, weird. Such a liar. <laughs> just so gently held and. You just have to make swaddled fun of me. in Pastor Tim's arms. You just have to make just, fun of me at all times. Yes. <laughs> oh. Sorry, sorry for just trying to help and be honest. I thought it was very helpful. Yeah, it was. Sounds just, like it. No, <laughs> I wouldn't tease you if I didn't love you. Okay, you that was kind of weird. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hold my hand? All right. There's silence now. He's gonna swaddle you now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's all I have, I guess. Uh, oh. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Mm, wow. On that note. Yeah. Oh. Pretty hot. Sweating in this room. Yeah. Surrounded by youth camp supplies. It stinks in here. Oh, yeah, all the youth stink. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like for our pug, because in order to not give so many baths to them, because you don't want to like bathe them all the time as too or too much, they have this cologne you can spray on them now. And do so, you have this? Yeah, we do. Oh it came with God. him. It came with him a when we got cologne. him. Wow. It's this nice little cologne. Gives him a nice little fresh scent. But maybe we should Does do that he at ring camp. his bell you when he what? wants more cologne? No, Damn we're still... You, if you would have brought the bug to work, he I told him earlier that he looks like Agent K for Men in Black. Oh, that would go with if it. If you oh. brought the bug. Wasn't yeah. the bug's name Frank? Is that his bug's yeah. name? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. That's funny. That'd be legit. That, that would be legit. Yeah. Maybe if he gets older, he might show up at the office every now and then. And uh, just sleep. Just like Spurgeon's pug, just right? Just like Spurgeon's pug. Yeah. That's how he wrote all his great sermons with punch. Yeah. You got to get yourself some cigars now. Yeah. That's... Cigars and a pug. <laughs> Sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that would smell real nice. Yeah. With the cologne. Yeah, the cologne. And... The... <laughs> that would be, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, Tim, do you have any closing comments? No. Okay. <laughs> you want to say goodbye to everybody? Yeah, I will. All right. Well, we hope you come back. <laughs> after <Yeah>. all this <laughs> you might be thankful we haven't posted a podcast in a while <laughs> we hope to see you this coming uh, Sunday at church Memorial Weekend uh, hope that you are here that you'll be faithful to that um, we look forward to having you uh, but until then we hope that you have a great week so God bless